0: What is going on, hurdlers? You are listening to episode 61 of Hurdle, a podcast that talks to everyone from entrepreneurs to CEOs and athletes about how they got through tough times, hurdles of sorts, by leaning into wellness. Emily Abadi here. I am fresh back from Dunton, Colorado. Let me tell you, it might be one of the most stunning places on the planet. I was out there with Eddie Bauer. We were doing all the things from hiking to mountain biking to fly fishing. And I uh, just want to report that I am now a skilled outdoorsman. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be chatting with Adam Ross and Michael Pollock. They are the co founders of Heyday. And if you don't know what Heyday is, well, you're in for a treat and uh, maybe some clearer skin. We'll get to that in just a second. First, a quick shout out to my sponsor, Athletic Greens. With 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, Athletic Greens is a delicious greens powder when mixed with water it gives me just the boost I need to start my day off right. They are offering hurdle listeners a special deal. It's 20 free travel packs, absolutely free. A $79 value with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. All right, now let's talk about these two guys. I have a confession first. I didn't know a thing about skincare until give or take age 30. I know, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that. I just was never the kind of person who thought that pricey facials and all of these products were worth the money. But Michael and Adam made Heyday, which is a more affordable home for quick skincare treatments from facials to chemical peels, you name it, for people like me. They were hoping to pretty much take the facial out of the spa to demystify all of the unknown about skincare. Leading up to their first New York City location in 2015, Ross hung up his business suits in a hurdle moment of sorts, leaving behind a super lucrative job in finance that just wasn't making him happy in his personal life. And that's when he met Michael. And then he realized they had an amazing chemistry, which you'll hear today, and that they could build something great together. And well, the rest is history. In today's episode, we have a blast chatting about everything from the two essentials all newbies must do for their face to Pollock's biggest learning of starting a business from scratch. And FYI, his his sewing skills helped in the process. Plus, Ross offers up a must-know diagram technique for being more productive throughout your day. Trust me, this might just change everything you know, the drill hurdlers at Emily, a body at hurdle podcast. If you have a hurdle moment of your own, or just want to say hi, my email, it's Emily at hurdle.us. And again, let's share the podcast this week with a friend. When you're listening, make sure to tag me tag at Heyday skincare. That's H E Y D A Y skincare. And uh, let's get that conversation going with that. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting here with the co-founders of Heyday. I've got Adam Ross and Michael Pollack in the studio. Hey, guys.
1: Hi. Morning.
0: Thanks for coming in. Of
1: course. Happy to be here.
0: Oh, my God. I feel uh, it's been a while since I've done two people at the same, like, uh, a podcast with three people total in the room, which is fun. The last time I did this was with the two ladies behind Sakara Life, Whitney and Danielle, and we had a blast. So I'm excited to be doing it with the two of you. I'm also excited because skincare. Like,
1: because skincare, because skincare, everybody,
0: I mean, we talk about health and fitness and wellness and all of its aspects on hurdle all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like skincare is something that a lot of people constantly overlook. For me, myself, it wasn't something I really took into drastic consideration until admittedly, like within the last two years, and I'm in my 30s.
1: It's interesting. People <laughs> hit, I think that it's either a problem that you're dealing with, or It's sometime in your like late 20s, early 30s, you wake up and you're like, I'm supposed to pay attention to this thing. Yet there's all this sort of world of health and wellness and skin is the largest organ in the body and sort of how we take care of ourselves shows up on our skin. And yet it's sort of treated as this very separate thing.
0: Totally separate thing. I mean, I'm gonna start out with the obvious here. You're two guys, Adam, your background's in finance. So not exactly what I would think are the guys that's gonna start my skincare situation. So first, first off, let's talk about what Heyday is, and then let's talk about how we got to where we are today. So first off, what's Heyday? Give me the rundown.
2: Sure. Well, we started, and I guess actually coming up to our four, four year years anniversary, June first, twenty fifteen. I think Heyday was the genesis for Heyday was I think when you look at the the importance of skin health and the fact that skin is the largest organ in the body there was no there was no way for clients to engage with skincare and everything comes down to these friction points of time cost and convenience and i think for us it was important when you you see people today that want to be the best version of themselves creating the democratization or accessibility for somebody to engage in skincare and the fact that i think professional facials are such a core pillar of ultimate skin health and i think for us or or anyone else out there when you hear hear the word spa, you know, sort of in air quotes, it connotes this beauty pampering, indulgence perception. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for us, there needed to be a fundamental repositioning of the facial because it's how you define it broadly around sort of health and wellness or more specifically self care. This is something that people think about like their Equinox monthly memberships. Like this is something that I think the importance of looking and feeling great as part of your overall mandate to yourself to be the best version of yourself we wanted to create the platform for that to exist.
0: Got it. So talk to me a little bit about where you were then before Heyday, because it's so not Heyday.
2: What am I doing here?
0: (laughs) What are you doing? How do you, first off, how do you even get here?
2: How does a guy with a funny accent get to New York City? (laughs) Of course. I, yeah, so I used to be in investment banking and focused specifically around mergers and acquisitions. I was sort of within sort of a sector, consumer products and retail, but more specifically within that beauty was one of my areas of focus. So I did a lot of investment banking transactions with the big bad guys of the industry, Revlon, Avon, you know, L'Oreal, Gillette. Um, so certainly saw parts of the skincare industry from that side of the business. But I think when I'm also just out in my daily life and I sort of had this this light bulb moment when I was at brunch with some girlfriends who were just all complaining about like how difficult it was to look after their skin. So there's a disconnect here between how the market's structured and what, what customers actually want. So then the work began.
0: <laughs> then I was like, man, I should probably stop banking and start figuring out this bigger problem that we have here.
2: <laughs> kind of, and we'll, we'll probably get into it, but I think banking for me, incredibly fantastic platform on growth and development and how you think about businesses more broadly. But, you know, you get to the stage where, that's either something you want to do, or for me, it was more just the chance to sit on the other side of the table and be involved in, in I think, building a, building a brand that, that that customers delight and engage with.
0: Totally, and then what about you? Where were you hanging out?
2: I
1: was uh, in architecture and interiors before this, and then I studied hospitality. So I kind of had this weird mixed bag of a resume, but it was always around, I love experiences. I love sort of curating, creating experiences for people. And so, when I sort of met Adam and he had the idea on paper for this, I immediately saw it and I sort of connected it to my own skincare story. But the, you know, being in that sort of client work or consulting work, there was always a conclusion there. And I think to the point of hurdles, if there's hurdles in a project, like you're just like, okay, deadline's coming up. When when we're done with that, it's over and you're done. Um, And there was a lot of satisfaction with learning. Um, through doing a lot and touching a lot of businesses, but you always handed the baby over for someone else to raise. And I, I always knew I, I loved painting the big picture of something as well as obsessing over the little details and to be able to build something from scratch is when you, when you really get to do that. Um, in terms of my own skincare story with it, I, you know, struggled with acne in high school, as many teenagers do, and took Accutane and, you know, went through all the the, the dermatologist stuff, which is sort of like a, a, a hammer to the, uh, you know, to the, to the face. And no one had ever brought up the idea of seeing an esthetician. I, I didn't even know what that was, uh, and I think broadly speaking in this country, that's not a thing. Um, so, you know, I see the opportunity in Heyday is to create a platform for that to to let people know there's actually somebody who goes to school for taking care of skin every day, not treating it. All like a disease, um, not treating it like a you know something to shop your way through, but actually teaching you how to take care of it and finding an expert. I think a lot of hurdles can be crossed by finding the right expertise. And and for us, for Heyday, it's connecting clients who are looking for that advice with a human who's trained to to help you do that.
0: I guess the next obvious question then is then how do you two cross? Because you're an architect, you're in banking. How did the two of you meet?
1: We actually the the consulting firm i worked for has like a deep connection with aussies and kiwis and, <laughs> and so i always knew of adam i think he knew of me and we sort of were like just in overlapping circles um and i actually met him when i was uh at, at my last firm uh and uh you know he was he we were sitting across from the table and he was pitching pitching the idea and i immediately kind of saw it and um i remember i was kind of like you should find someone internally like I can pitch you as the agency how to do this, but you should find someone internally to like help help with the parts of the business that you're that you're looking for. And was not looking to
2: uh, pitch myself, but then it sort of it happened. It happened. Well, I sort of heard through the grapevine you you weren't entirely happy, so uh, we schedule the next meeting outside of the office and. And here we are. Here we are.
0: Here we are. It's interesting. I mean, I feel as though when you're thinking about the people that you want to do business with, it's kind of like the person that you think about spending your life with and you think about what qualities this person's gonna have that would make them your ideal partner. When you <laughs> when you look at him today, do you feel like he has all of those qualities that you were looking for in someone to create this business with from the ground up? I'm waiting for the doe eyed look, Adam. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I I mean yes, I mean I think I think it's very difficult today to start a business on your own. You need you need a yin to your yang. Um, Michael's experience, I think, around sort of architecture and and hospitality has just been in, incredibly helpful in terms of sort of defining the in store experience and the, the hospitality touch points and what we want clients to experience every time they go through the doors. I mean for for me I'm I'm much more around sort of like the the strategy the finance the operations so i think it's just great i think advice for anyone that's actually looking to start a business is find somebody that actually has the the skill sets and attributes that you don't have and you just get to a place where one plus one equals more than two totally and it's sort of interesting because even last week i and it's interesting as we sort of onboard new people to the company i get excited i talk faster i sort of get frothy at the mouth when i've got like these ideas and sort of strategic insights about the business and new people sort of look at me like i've got two heads and michael's like i know where you're going with that leave it with me i can package <laughs> it up and execute it so you just want somebody that can that can support you and you sort of get to the stage now where you can kind of almost finish each you know each other's sentences and that was advice
1: i think i got that stuck with me at the at a consulting firm that i left the ceo said i know you're gonna start something someday just I want you to go back to your desk and make a list of the top three skills that you either don't have or don't care to learn or don't want to better yourself in because someone else can do it better and just make sure that in a co-founder, whether it's a friend or something a little bit more kind of arranged that you, you find that because I think often people do make Sometimes the mistake of going to a business with a friend and then you you realize, hey, we have all of the exact same skills and we're kind of we're gapped in, in some way.
0: I mean, just that note about your strengths as a whole. I think a lot of the time you go down a certain path and to go down that path, there are things or skills that are considered to be really great assets. And you might get to a point where you realize like, OK, for example, I'm a writer and an editor in my in my everyday I'm also a podcaster and I do all these things but I have come to an understanding that I don't love editing as much as I love writing like I love putting things to paper and so for me when i realized that i didn't enjoy editing as much as i enjoyed writing i kind of had a moment where i was like shoot am i doing something wrong should i be reevaluating should i be working on this editing thing more so i'm so i'm better or doing it differently or what the case is but the reality is is that it's okay like it's okay to pivot it's okay to learn it's okay to reformulate your strategy and and or, just do or something. Delegate
1: through. that to somebody. Exactly.
0: And, well, I mean, that's a whole other different conversation, don't you think? Yes. The whole absolutely. idea of delegating yeah. things that you don't love to do yourself, absolutely. and also because if you don't love to do them, then you're probably not going to do them super well. Which means that someone else could like it and do it a lot better than you.
1: Yeah. Or I think I think for me personally, and this is this has definitely been a hurdle. Is I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs are. People who, again, you, you see everything, you see the big picture, you want to have your hand in, you know, all the pies or fingers and all the pies. And there's a point where that is a really valuable skill and there's a point of a company. Uh, where you can't be an individual contributor, and to fulfill the vision that you have, you have to empower a team to do that, and that means giving up some of the work, giving up some of the control, and that is a really tough, tough hurdle to to get through. And I, I mean, that's certainly one of my own, you know, personal things I've worked through and seen, uh, and been able to reflect on through Heyday is how do I continue to do that to focus on the things that I think I uniquely can do for the company, and the things that even if I love to do, I need to. To let someone else kind of kind of pick that up and
2: and run with it there's almost an extra layer to that though because even if you are the best person to be doing something also doesn't necessarily mean that you should be doing it exactly because you've you've got you've got to have this ruthless prioritization in terms of where is your role best amplified in a way that does the the right thing by you know yourself your team and the business and that that changes a different sort of chapters within the company but i think that's sort of interesting because when we look at the the stage of where we almost define the business today, we're in that sort of teen adolescent phase. So, so much is changing. It's sort of crazy. And, you know, you can even have a point of view on something one week, and then you find yourself a month later doing a fundamental 180 turn on something where with new information that comes to light, it's like, well, now we're thinking about it this way.
0: I know. It's like that sentence like, well, this is how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, entrepreneur- entrepreneurs are not about that sentence. They're like, no, we're about to change it completely. And I mean, again, that plays into the whole background of heyday, right? Because when you went into this, you were thinking, okay, well, spas, skincare, it's always been something that's been at such an insane price point. I mean, it's a reason why so many people don't even think twice about taking the opportunity to do something for their their skin or or nevertheless other body work. And, and that was a, Big pillar behind what you guys wanted to do with Heyday.
2: Yeah, I think, and it guides so many decisions that we make today. And I think that's what's that's what's so fun and energizing about what we're doing. It's where are a few things we should be doing that rightly anchor in industry conventions, and where are a few things that we want to fundamentally break away and do things so so differently. And I think to our mind, we think, you know, historically the the, the spa industry it's it's been very sort of mom and pop in how it's operated. It's been very fragmented. It's increasingly targeting this demographic that has time and money um and then it's sort of increasingly older and i think for us there was sort of this this big white space opportunity of 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 clients today that i mean they want to learn more about skincare, and they there's a proliferation of products there's contradictory advice it's an unregulated market by the fda like how do we how do we bring this together so i think what's also interesting about our business is we're not just looking at it from a client perspective where we're creating this sort of marketplace where we're matching supply and demands. I mean, to Michael's earlier point, what's what's interesting about, we call them skin therapists, um, sort of the industry term for estheticians, but there's such a, I mean, reasonably unknown, but certainly underappreciated employment class across the US. Um, I mean, there's around like 350,000 qualified estheticians. Wow. And you've got millions of people that are just so confused in this industry that is so large, it's so generic, it's growing, and there's no trusted source for skincare. There's no go-to. There's no sort of expert that that that, that that's around. And people have got their own like home remedies or recommendations or this influencer on YouTube. And, and skincare is one where like everyone has a point of view. But you know, skincare skincare is people's number one daily routine, and they just don't feel in control of it. So. And there's nothing like having
1: a human being, you know, totally. touch figuratively, physically, another Absolutely. human being when it comes to skincare. I think it's the trust that's built there, and that's that's been. I think that's the most been rewarding thing to to see come to life day to day.
0: A couple follow up questions. First of all, what's your starting price point?
1: Uh, our 30-minute facial is $65. Okay. And our most popular is the 50-minute facial, uh, which is
0: 95 Got it. And you can do things like add-on yeah, to those experiences? Yeah, you can do professional
1: <laughs> peels or microdermabrasion. And we got some other cool stuff coming down the pike. Coming down the pike. Exactly. But the whole idea was to simplify it. I think also if you look at uh, the traditional spa landscape, I think one of the – aside from time and cost – one of the other reasons people don't engage is it feels intimidating or complicated. You open up that three-fold brochure and there's like 18 things, you don't know what you you don't know what you don't know, yet the expert behind the chair knows everything in the sense that they're asking you the questions, they're listening to your goals, they're seeing literally what's on your skin and can help you come up with a plan. So why why is the choice in the customer's hands to make all those decisions, as opposed to simplifying it and having somebody you know, and, make it for you.
0: And I definitely think that yes, like the price point is a lot more accessible than it would be to go to some other like more, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Rarify. Yeah, I mean, she, spa she, she. chic experiences. Not to say that hey, it we love those. Chic. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're very chic. Well, I think thank you. But I still think that some people even are like, oh my god, sixty-five dollars for thirty minutes, like. Should I do this? And and I'm sure you probably have people that come in that want to do it like once or twice and hopefully learn so many things that they're like, okay, I got this.
1: That's a good point generally with wellness. I think it is, it is something that is still coming to fruition, and I think – I and our team, you never forget that it's a, still a privilege to engage with that. It's a privilege to be able to spend the time to think about that. Even things like you know mental health and therapy, it's a privilege to be able to engage with that. I wish that stuff was more democratized. Um, and I think that as a brand, as we grow... We want to figure out how to unpack that for for others. If you can't come in for a facial for 95, you should still be able to come online and get advice from somebody if you have questions. If you're that teenager struggling with acne, just, you know, reading a great article or connecting with an esthetician on chat. Those are the things we envision because I think that's how you start to 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 spread that to spread that out a bit.
0: That idea is like so valuable. Again, talking to the bigger wellness industry as a whole, people talk about the cost of things like Equinox Gym memberships and other super ritzy, you know, offerings in the category. And then you do have smaller opportunities, which won't give you a eucalyptus towel, but you'll have the opportunity to still work out something like an aptive membership. I think my mom just got a year of aptive for I wanna say it was under twenty dollars. No. I mean, maybe that was maybe that's a generous estimate. I've had Ethan on the show. He's a good friend. I just it's amazing now that there are people in the category brands in the category that are willing to kind of democratize wellness for the consumer that can't afford it.
1: And it should be right. Like yeah. if wellness to you. If a component of wellness is a twelve dollar juice and you can do that, that's great. If the component of wellness to you is like taking a deep breath. And meditating, like that's free. Yeah. I love that that's taught in schools, and like that that that's the. I think that's the where the wellness conversation needs to evolve to. That's a whole other topic. But. Whole other
0: topic. I'd like to backtrack for just a second and go back to what life was like for you, Adam, when you were working uh, a much more not even I would say hectic, because I'm sure life's still pretty hectic these days, but a completely different industry. Uh, before coming into heyday, what did your self care regimen even look like at that time?
2: Wasn't good. I think that's the, <laughs> that's thats that's the that's the short of it. I, I think for me, and again, banking was an incredible stepping stone, but I think over time for me there was this like internal conflict that was increasing because I think you found I found myself acting in a manner that was just more and more inconsistent or or different from my core beliefs. And I think that just relates to how you spend your time, how you look after yourself. So to some extent it was almost this, I think sort of death by a thousand cuts and it gets to a stage where it's so bad it then like really crystallizes the need for for action and for me that was that was a new chapter and you know to your point the issue isn't around not working hard but I think when you can do it on your schedule and you're sort of directly impacting you know whether it's sort of your contribution to something you know sort of your net worth the employment you're creating for others to my mind it was just a moment to be much more sort of proactive and a defining moment to i think just take more control over my life and that was both both professional and personal
0: was there anything specific kind of in that time period that was like a red flag for you that you were like wow i probably need to take a step back
2: yeah i had to as actually over july 4th weekend where i planned a trip with a few friends down in mexico and had to cancel it for you know a fortune 100 emergency on something that had come up for a board meeting and, you know, I called my friends to sort of say, I, I, I can't make this. And the response was, yeah, we, we knew that was going to happen. And I think it was just, that was just such a shitty moment for me. And I think you, when I look back, I sort of measure it, you know, some of the phone calls from friends and texts, it's you're like you're getting fewer invites just because people knew you weren't going to respond. And for me, it was just like this, oh my God, what am I doing? And I think with banking, There's a lot of people in the industry that aren't happy and you manage it in your 20s because they throw more money at you. That's fine in your 20s. You just get to a point where it's like, this isn't about the money. This is about fulfillment. This is about gratification. And last thing I want to be doing is is have this truckload of money and not the life that I want to be living.
0: Yeah, and I think you actually bring up a really interesting point, which is that when you are spread so thin, your relationships totally suffer. And so I'd be interested to know how you kind of look at your relationships today because would you say that you're still the person that people text less?
2: I'm get I'm not much better today but <laughs> I'm also but I'm also one of those people, you know, I'm I'm quite introverted and for me it's you know success is or sort of my friendships it's it's fewer people like deeper better relationships. So I'm more likely to have a dinner party with with 12 or 16 of my dearest friends than throwing a shindig for 200 people that are you know, more acquaintances, you know, than friends. So I think, you know, you need to do a bit of a friends cleanse over, over, over the years. But for me, it's, I've done a much better job of, of reconnecting with, with people. And again, I think when you're, you're a little more in charge of your own destiny with, with Heyday, you've got flexibility to sort of like manage your schedule and, and have a better sense of what's negotiable and what isn't.
0: Michael, have you done the friends cleanse? The fr- I
2: was just thinking so hard. <laughs> the friends break up. Well, you have to.
0: You I've I've had friends break up. I think you some of to, for I mean, sure. That,
1: I think that happens naturally over time as people move in different directions in lives and, you know, have kids and move on to different businesses. That that definitely is a tough I think a tough balance to strike. And I, I think I share that with Adam. I'm a little more introverted in the sense that I, you know, I like connecting more one on one. Um and it's just about making Time for that quality time with your partner, with your friends. I have a dog now. I think th- those cool. those moments I think are are good in the sense of you never want to get to the place where you t- totally take that for granted and it's and it's gone because um, those things are are tough to tough to rebuild.
0: So obviously, pretty hard to maintain relationships while building a company from the ground up. So let's kind of then now we're back in this era of heyday. You guys have met. You're about to build something great. Do you even understand at the beginning when you're talking to each other, like what you're hoping to get out of this?
1: It's that's a great question. And I think when I, I've reflected a lot about this and I think in the beginning I jumped right in because I was like, yes, this is the ultimate project to manage. It brings together all of the things that I'm excited to work on. And we, you know, it was like finding the space, the website, the brand and naming it and beginning to build the initial team and the vision. And then it's sort of, you got to the, the opening day and which I forget that it was raining, Adam always remembers that detail. It's and pouring <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. And I think that was the moment that really hit for me what we were about to do when we met the first uh, you know, twenty people that took a chance on basically a PowerPoint deck for their job. And seeing those humans walk into the space who've now been, you know, many many of them with us for four years was just incredible that that was a big turning point for me that this was no longer consulting this was no longer a project but there was a sense of responsibility that we were creating a world for our team and our clients and that was only going to continue to grow
0: taking a quick break from today's episode to give my sponsor athletic greens a little bit of love Guys, there is no better feeling than knowing that you're treating your body right. Trust me, there are so many times that I feel like I go off the rails, whether it's big dinners with friends or ducking out on a run or not taking some me time every now and again. But when I shake up athletic greens in the morning, it's just one piece to the puzzle that makes me feel like I'm giving back to myself and doing something that's good for me. The greens powder has adaptogens, superfoods, prebiotics, probiotics, also those 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. It takes me not even 30 seconds to shake it up, another minute to drink it, and it helps me give back to my body and set myself up for success every single day. They are offering Hurdle listeners a special deal. It's twenty free travel packs, a seventy-nine dollar value, absolutely free again with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com/hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/hurdle to get yours today. Let's get back to it. How long were the two of you kind of working behind the scenes on Heyday before it opened in 2015?
2: It was close to 18 months. So yeah, 20, and, 20, and, and 20, you were 14. you were noodling before that, but yeah. I
0: think
1: between us it was a, it was about a year.
0: And did you know from the get-go, Did I mean, how many locations does Heyday have right now? We
1: have seven now, we have five in New York and two in Los Angeles.
0: Okay, and what's like the, I mean, where do we wanna go from here? Looks at each other, wondering what we should say into the
2: world. Beyond, beyond world domination.
0: No, no. I think,
2: I think for us, it's. I mean, there is such a large opportunity. I think we don't know, and we don't want to be arbitrary in terms of like x number of doors in this period of time. I think we've got something incredibly special. There is this huge op- opportunity to democratize skincare and create this platform for people that want to have great skin, and it's not female centric. It's skin is skin. So, I think for us, there's there's so many pockets of growth and opportunities we're excited there's an incredibly long runway in front of us and we'll do it at the right pace I think where we continue to to execute with excellence and that doesn't mean there's not going to be hurdle moments along the way but you know it's how you you know we're going to keep learning we're going to keep growing we're going to keep making mistakes but I think if you just you're smart in how you sort of do those that contributes to the right foundation you need that's going to again not just sort of scale for scale's sake but we've got something that's so experiential and so high touch and this one-on-one, and you know you're vulnerable when you're getting a facial. It's a very personalised experience. So I think for us, you know that's that's the challenge and the opportunity. And we'll we'll do that at the pace that that makes sense. And I think again does the right thing for our our team and our business.
0: Where are they in LA?
2: Uh, We are in Brentwood and
1: at Beverly and uh, Beverly Boulevard in La Brea. Got it. And we're, you know, we're going to continue to expand in LA, uh, continue in New York, and then obviously we've got our eyes on some other cities. Some other special Um, places. But I I mean, I would underscore what Adam says. I think when we started Heyday, we sort of agreed. We knew this thing would scale if we did it right. Um, But we said we're going to treat the first locations like family restaurants in the way that you're there. You learn, you understand what happens every day. Um, And I think that's so, so important. And, you know, we are in that sort of teenage phase. And going back to like the acne, there's some there's some zits and like you have to work <laughs> through it. And I think this has been such the sort of past year and what's ahead of us is really about almost resolidifying really important foundations so that you can grow thoughtfully. I, I really believe that we, since day one, have delivered something really high quality for our team and our clients. And that is what excites me when that feels really good it's like you don't fear stepping on the gas pedal in the right way
0: during those first few months when you're constantly in the space you're you're helping as much as you can doing everything that you can you have the opportunity to learn a lot during that time period both as um co-founders but then also i'm sure like about skincare, about things that you never even knew before so i'm interested to know during that initial period what were some of the biggest takeaways that you guys had
1: Mm, that's a great question you know, I, I worked in hospitality, so I understood. And that's why I was attracted to hospitality. You're creating this experience, but it is probably the most complex, one of the most complex businesses out there. It involves, you know, real estate, a physical space. It involves people. It involves service. It involves products. It's kind of got everything. It's a complicated it's a complicated beast in how it all comes together. Um, so I think seeing that in motion and just paying attention to all of it, because the littlest things can make or break somebody's day who's, who's you know, in whatever role that they're in. I think in terms of learning, you we spent those first months really listening to the team and the client because you're tweaking, you know, you're tweaking, you need to tweak what you're offering to make sure it, 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 it fits the bill on both sides. And so, you know, we learn tons every day from our team about skincare, and you know neither of us are, are skincare experts or licensed estheticians. But I think you 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 just need to to really listen to your team so that you're solving the right problems. Uh, and that continues today, even though we're not in the shops every single day. I wish I was there more, and you know need to need to do that. But you just need to listen to the folks who are who are the experts, and you know continue to create the right world so that they can deliver for you know for your stakeholders.
2: You know, I think one of the one of the scariest things for us before we opened was, this seems so obvious, but it doesn't exist. So what are we missing? And it was always interesting because when we're sort of pitching the concept to, to investors to you know, sort of raise some capital before we open our first units, and these are sort of predominantly men in their 50s and 60s that didn't even know what a facial was. And you know, one of their questions is like, where are you taking from the category? And we're like, we'll take a bit from the category, but we're gonna create a new category. We're going to change behavior. We're going to change habits. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And I think for us that was also so interesting because just, you know, to Michael's point, I spent far too many hours in my career sitting around a boardroom table arguing about what we think the client wants. We're in this environment with heyday where we touch faces and skin on the team every day. So you can actually get feedback. So it's, you know, how you learn, how you grow, how you react to not just what they want today, but what they want tomorrow. Has been incredibly informative for how we think about the experience and you know i think what was interesting for us you know when you look sort of a few months in and the statistics still hold today we have a little under one-third of clients that come to heyday that have never had a facial before so we're bringing people into the category we, we have these you know 60 percent that check the, the once a year box that i think is generally let me get a facial as a as a treat to myself in the city or where i'm on vacation and they're jumping into sort of the heyday ecosystem with with those new to the category and I mean we've got around one third of our clients that come monthly and then these sort of cascading effects down so I think that that was one where it's like how can we be and we we're like in the in the in the basement of the first shop for the first 12 months you know we're folding towels we were speaking to clients we we're with the team and it's just it's how do you learn and how do you how do you rethink or or you know evolve the value proposition in a way that, hasn't been done before, and I think that's that's great because you've got this huge white canvas in front of you. You know, it's also, you know, it's scary. So you go through this whole emotional roller coaster that that goes from sort of like nerves to excitement to I'm petrified. Um, <laughs> Sounds but, like my everyday. Yeah, but, it, but, but if, you, if, you, if you're never betting the ranch, like what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work, and that in itself is a is a validated learning. So great, good to know, check it off, let's do something different.
0: I love that. I have to kind of home in on this one detail that you were talking about, which was pitching Heyday to investors. And I think it must have been really funny because- Although it probably did work to your advantage that you are two guys coming in to pitch a skincare business to a bunch of other guys. I know the constant story for women that are going in to pitch these like female centric things, which could be viewed as something similar to Heyday or whatever they're trying to trying to do. I know like the classic example is with Spanx and she goes in to talk to mm-hmm. guys about why this thing is so valuable for so many women like you need to understand. And, they're like, and the guys are like, oh, let me talk to my wife about it. Do you feel like you were at an advantage being two guys going in to talk to some other guys or like how did that go for you
2: I'd say if anything it was a disadvantage because think females in that sort of 25 to 40 year old demographic was that that was our prime client. we
1: it's had like, a lot of champions i think at some of the you know the the, invest, in the investment firms you we were talking to and it was a lot of times the female associate who was like yep this is a big business and others trust, would be like I, I don't get it i don't <laughs> get it
2: let me talk to my wife um I just, what's a facial? Why would somebody get it once? And I, that doesn't make any well, sense and, to you me. You know,
1: I, I think it's also, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're enabled by tech, but we're not a tech company, too. And I think that plays into it a little bit. It's a brick and mortar business, it's, it's, you know, it's human touch. And I used to always make this joke, but it is so, so true with investors. I'm like, our business is pretty simple. If you get the people thing right and you get the laundry thing right, you're good to go. <laughs> and, sort of like my way to like warm up the boardroom, but it actually is really damn true. Um, And that's that's what our business is at the end of the day.
0: I love that pivoting a little bit. I love what you said, Michael, before you walked in here talking about that this life of a hurdler and like an event of of running a race and that we don't all like a hurdler doesn't get on the track and jump over one hurdler and that's it. And what really happens in actuality is there's a bunch of hurdles and they come in like really rapid succession and it's super stressful. And like you just need to keep jumping because you have no other option. Uh, When you look at the creation of this business over the last four years, are there any moments that truly stand out as like, wow, like I really thought I just got over this big thing and then this other thing just completely blindsided me when I wasn't expecting it?
1: I think similar to the hurdling analogy where, you know, it's just sort of quick and in rapid succession. I think when you think of that too, there's a reason why they run like four heats. It's not just one and done and you can clip the the top and still win or still, you know, still get a medal. Um, I think it's a series of a, of a lot of things. I don't think there was any sort of one moment that was going to say like make or break or kill, um, but it's just listening to a lot of those little moments to make sure, you know, I think... I think for me, one of the, the personal qualities I've always had is a lot of empathy and like really good antenna for what's going on. And that doesn't mean I know how to solve everything. Um, and I think as the, as the company has grown, ironically, you can almost feel a little more lonely because you can't wrap your hands around it all. You can't take care of absolutely everything and you need to delegate and need to bring experts on. And for, for me, actually, I think that is probably the biggest hurdle is, is flipping the mindset um, to you know, how do you create an entire team that's solving the right problems, as opposed to taking absolutely everything on your shoulders? Ultimately, the responsibility is ours to create the right structure to create that world. Um, but w- you need you need many more people in there to be moving the whole vessel together. It's like the you know a rowing analogy. If we make that, it's like you need everybody to be moving in the right direction that we that we kind of all share. And I think that you know, as a company grows, that is the the job of of the leaders is to to paint that picture and have everybody moving in that direction.
0: Do you guys remember what it was like to? I mean, I'm sure there were times before your first location opened that you like went into the location and you were just like standing there, like, "What the hell are we doing?" Well,
2: I think I think when we're both painting different parts of the shop 48 hours before we were opening I, The last time- It <laughs> was that epiphany, yeah. I, uh, you know, when I, post-college when I was working and you know, my job wasn't
1: as stressful, I took uh, I was really inspired by Project Runway and took sewing classes, <laughs> not to make clothing. I just thought it was a good skill to learn. And the last time I really busted out the sewing machine was to hem all the curtains at our first location. So like 48 hours beforehand, I, I think the, the, there's still the curtains there. I, I literally <laughs> hemmed all of those curtains. You know, there's trash everywhere, construction debris, and that was one of those moments, I think. And then literally two days later, you had people in there getting facials. And it was, you know, it's a little it's a little surreal. And I think there's still moments where, you know, you're across the street and, you know, you see the heyday, uh, the window and it's, you know, dusk and the lights are on and people are in there moving around. And that is a very, it's still a very bizarre yet fulfilling, uh, fulfilling thing.
0: How do you feel?
2: No, no, I, I sort of, I, I echo what what Michael says I think one thing though that that, that's interesting about the hurdle moments along the way is is arguably the more successful you become as a company or you you change the trajectory of your growth path you're always creating more hurdle moments for yourself in the future so I think whether a company is ultimately going to be growing you know really upwards and to the right or you've got other issues around sort of product market fit or whatever it is you're always going to have hurdles and, you know, somebody had said something to me recently, which was, you know, success is different problems. So I think it's, you know, these hurdle moments are going to come. I think it's how you train and work with the team and the company knowing they're going to happen. Like, yes, you can maybe do a better job at being more agile or, or thinking about them in advance. So you can possibly mitigate them, Others, others unforeseen. So it's like, these are going to happen. And this is going to be part of our daily existence. How do we adapt to the problems when they do occur?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd actually love to kind of buzz a little bit on uh, something that Michael said about being lonely. I think that that's actually something that a lot of people building a business feel very often because there's so much going on and you have to be on constantly to handle all of these different hurdles. I think when you
1: feel lonely, you have to remember... Especially as the company's grown, you know, we have about 300 people total now. There, people have joined this thing be, for a multitude of reasons, but above all because they believe in in what you're doing. And the way that I find to sort of refill when I feel lonely is to just to touch that. Whether it's clients and seeing the you know the results and the feelings they have from being really confident about the skin that they're in, for team members who you know whether they've just joined us or been there for a while and are, are fulfilled. Um, those are the moments that I think start to remind you that you're not alone and that you've, you created
2: this, this vessel and there's, you know, there's people in it. There's people. And I think there's also, I think again, just as you get bigger and we've now got, like I said, in the first 12 months, our office was in the basement of our first shop. So, you know, communication was, everyone was talking to everybody all the time. I think now we've got our... Our support office, um, you know, in Soho, and sort of separate from the shops. Um, it, it's 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 lonely sometimes. I think to the extent that there's so much work that we're also doing behind the scenes to to support the team and and do what they need to do. And sometimes, if you're not communicating the right way, or they they don't they don't sort of see that there's sort of this perception, of not feeling hurt, you know, heard or understood, and it can create sort of moments where again, there's sort of this disconnect and it's certainly frustrating for me as a leader because it's like the thought and the intention and so much work is happening and sometimes it's all the right work you need to be doing. If you don't communicate it, it can also just sort of fall short of how you need to be thinking about it. And and I think for us, they're just sort of moments that we're trying to, to navigate as we go through this stage of the business and I think how you communicate and you don't need to sort of share everything every moment of the day. But I think I've sort of struggled or felt sort of frustrated where it's like if if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't feel as frustrated as you feel. And that's just, that's one that's, you know, it's tough at times.
1: And we're actually going in the, through the process right now of kind of redefining our company values, you know, four years in, things, things shift. And it's important to, to, to revisit those. And I think that Adam's touching exactly on the first one, that when we're all sitting around the table, is very clear and it's communicating with the why. I think that is what we ask our team to do with clients that's when clients have questions about that. why are you putting this on my skin what is it going to do for me it's like telling them really why it matters uh, and that I think that is exactly the the as a company grows to making sure you're communicating and letting people know the reasons behind things that just it puts so much i think unnecessary hurdles to to rest
0: yeah and i mean just that that buzzword again of values i think a lot of people go through their everyday and they're trying to figure things out and they're you feel a little bit lost but to take that time, as you guys are doing, to step back and identify what your values are, then it makes decision making, abiding by these values, just so much easier. Like Definitely. so much easier, and the people that you interact with, and what you want to get done, and you know, it's exactly. like a winding road like that. And, and I mean, the,
2: the core litmus test for a lot of this as well is is when people don't act that way, you can still you can bring it back behaviorally in terms of, you know, are you acting in a manner that's consistent with our values? So I think as you're onboarding people in and of itself, it's incredibly helpful because you you crystallize this up front and you also filter out those that don't want to be part of the culture you're creating. But I think it also it it, it, it makes it more tangible in terms of what that sort of code of conduct looks like and you can never sort of entirely define it. You know, culture is 100 different things, 100 different ways. Um, but I think for us, it's with the team growing, we're sort of bi-coastal now. It's a, it was sort of a right inflection point to to revisit that and and always sort of be the litmus test in terms of are we are we acting the right way
0: obviously a lot has changed since you guys were working in the basement of your first store so uh what and maybe just briefly like what does like a quote-unquote typical day look like for the two of you now
1: my ideal day or the typical day
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe one day that you're you know my ideal ideal. day is
1: actually close yeah let me go I'll go with that I, I think, like that. I mean, the first thing I need to get back to is is more fitness. I used to. I was a fitness instructor. I taught spin classes for ten years. I love that. Um, and used to. I I, I actually spin. Used, And I used to break out on the forehead a lot, and I couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't until I got my first facial that my esthetician, who was uh, you know on our on our founding team, was like, I know why you're not washing your skin properly after classes. So I'm going to give you this, and we're going to solve it. And it was totally fixed, um, which is. Awesome. That's what estheticians do.
0: See, but like I hear that, and then I'm like, shouldn't that be common sense? Yes, exactly. I mean, but no offense. Do
1: you, where do you get that advice? Would I have would I have gotten that <laughs> at Sephora from a salesperson? I don't would know. I have gotten that from my dermatologist? No, they'd be like, here's a prescription. It's gonna like murder your forehead. Uh, so I, that's that's totally an example of, of why we should exist. But to my, to my day, I would wake up, have a really good workout. And I use this app called Future, where I sort of have a trainer who puts workouts together for me. He texted me this morning, I have not done my workouts this week. Um, so I'd get a great workout in, which really energizes me for the day and starts things off right. I think it would be a mix of being in meetings and seeing great work come to fruition from the team and being there to just guide and add advice but seeing really awesome things come to life which we're seeing from our team and it's just it's that is so rewarding um and then it's some time in the shops to see people to you know spread the vision and the positivity that i see for for our company and what's forward i think that would be a great day and then go home spend time with my partner the dog and get a really good night's sleep, oh. which I don't get, but I would <laughs> die for that.
2: <laughs> Amen.
0: Amen. All right, what about you?
2: So I'm I'm an early riser, and I generally wake up coffee in hand. I'll, I'll spend sort of two or three hours at home working. How do you
0: make that magic happen? With the coffee in your hand when you're in bed already. Because, like, if you could share that with me and the hurdlers.
2: There, there is a place that opens at 7 a.m. <laughs> he li- actually I'm, has I'm, to get I'm out of bed for it. I'm out of bed. I'm literally there waiting for the person to open in the morning.
0: I know you're a Soho guy. I'm I don't want Soho to spoil. Guy. I don't want people to stalk you, but I kind of want to know what your coffee place is.
1: Just look for the guy with sweatpants. <laughs> oh, <excuse laughs> That's
0: a, a very generic Soho dress statement. Like absolute bomb. <laughs> with, with joggers.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's it, it's sort of interesting because it's. I think is i've done a better job of of getting the balance i need when i sort of think about my my day or my week or my month or anything i I sort of think about it with three concentric circles and the, the the inner one is around sort of things i can directly control and influence and then there's sort of a second circle which is things i have some influence over and then the third concentric circle is no control no influence and i think if i when i think about the first few hours of the day at home these are things where not going through email. I'm, in, in some cases, like paper, pencil, pencil sharpener, old school, let me actually like think and like filter out all the noise with the distractions that, you know, inevitably happen throughout the day. It gives me time to do that. And in those sort of two or three hours, that's where I'm adding the most value in my role to the business. Then get into the, you know, the office around 10 o'clock, do, do a couple more hours in the office. And then I try to Afternoon on is where I schedule calls, meetings, things like that. That's just generally less productive time for me. Five, six o'clock, break it up with a workout. And then dinner, dinner with friends, girlfriends, you know, sort of enjoy the night and good night's sleep.
0: First of all, the circle diagram is money.
2: It, it really is. And I, I
1: actually think because it's not only for your own focus, but as a company grows, I think for me, the biggest challenge is you, you can take on the emotional Labor of the whole thing, and there are you can control only so much. You can't control how people feel, and I think that, that that's something I've learned through therapy and through just <laughs> excellent, listening to yourself. Excellent takeaway. But you 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 can control what you put out, but ultimately there's a there's a line where you can't control everything, and I think understanding where that is is so important, so that you don't take on too much to the point where you you reach a point where you're not productive and you can't move what what you can really move forward forward. That All right. makes sense.
0: No, it totally makes sense. We're winding down a few last questions. I know we we talked that we're not going to put a number on like where we're going or anything, but is there anything you can tell me about what's next for Heyday?
1: My vision is a platform for estheticians. I think the coolest thing about our concept is that we have product market fit in the sense that when people come in, they they want our services and they want more of it and that that's what Gives me the you know the the comfort of of expanding, um, but it really is to build a platform that allows our team who has this incredible passion around skincare and giving people that knowledge and empowerment, and then you get a whole bunch of customers that are looking for that. So how do we build something where we we connect those two things together? And for me, the platform is how do you do that in more shops in more cities, but it's also how do you do that online. How do I take my team who maybe after four years of doing facials is a little tired of the physical part of the work, but they the, the, the advice um, that they give to people holistically is so valuable. So how do I build a, a way for somebody in Chicago where maybe we're not going to be in the next 12 months to connect with a skin therapist who, you know, after taking a quiz on our website, we can say, you're like 7% of our customers that we've seen in the 200,000 facials we've done. By the way, you're also, you know have the same concerns that Jenna really loves treating. So let's get you guys talking and she can help you shop your way, you know, build a routine together and really connect the dots for people between facials. I think skincare isn't a once a month thing. You're touching your face twice a day. We're there at best once a month. So what happens in those other 60, 90 times a month that you are paying attention to your skin? And we want to be there more in a really helpful way.
0: I know you guys aren't licensed aestheticians, but if someone should do like just one or two things at home, what should they be doing?
2: I think if they're gonna be sort of two things, it's, you know, you wanna sort of like cleanse your face every day. I think, you know, environments like New York and LA are particularly challenging on the skin and it's, it's a very difficult environment. Um, and then it's some form of moisturizing SPF. I mean, sunscreen is, is so, so critical.
1: I'm gonna give two pieces of advice that I've picked up from our team. Number one, and this sounds really like a little woo woo, but be kind to your skin. So many people treat their skin as this thing that They have no control over and that can be a feeling you wake up in the morning you're like why that i have a big day today why is this big thing popping up next to my nose being kind to your skin it is a part of you i think one of our estheticians described it as like people treat it like this misbehaving puppy but it's it's a it's definitely a part of you and treating it with kindness and understanding it is actually like a mental flip that affects that affects your skin and i think the second thing is we all love products they're so fun to try people use too much stuff Um, and it, it takes me back to like science experiments in in high school when you learned about the control variable and like you need to keep some things constant to understand if something's making a difference and if you are using seven serums and have some 10-step routine and are trying things all the time it can be really tough to understand what's going on so a lot of what we do is help people simplify and say go back to the basics we're not taking away your toys but let's like Pair it down to run your own experiment to see what works, and I think that's that's a really important thing to for people to learn.
0: Best piece of advice that you have been offered while building your business. Dun dun dun. Oh, that's good.
1: You know, I there's something that's uh, one of our board members said that has always really stuck with me, and it is get credit for everything you do.
0: Ooh,
1: I love l- that. It's awesome because and amplify it companies do so much good stuff. And I always joke, like, this is a total joke. I would never do this, but if I could put a microphone in every treatment room, that's what I would amplify the conversations, the connection, um, that happens there is the core of our business. Um, but everything from the events that we do to the advice that our team gives, like, how do we get more and more credit for what we do? Cause it's so much good stuff. Um,
2: that I think is, is important for anyone to remember. I, th- I think for me, it's it's just it's all about how you you know how you adapt and learn and grow. I think the only the only constant in today's world is change, and the rate of growth of that change is just going to continue to accelerate. So I think the more you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, the more you grow, the more you learn, and the, the better you are, whether that's sort of personally or professionally. So I think it's how you challenge yourself and surround yourself with the right people. don't necessarily need to be the most successful people because you can learn arguably a far lot more from people that have actually tried businesses that have been absolute absolute train wrecks so i think it's just for me it's where you get these little nuggets that um, let me let me sort of extract something new every day
0: was that a pun it was I was, I was
2: (laughs) I, i was looking for reaction from michael
0: final question You have an opportunity right now to offer yourself a piece of advice looking back on a time when things were really challenging for you. So maybe it's when you're telling the guys that you can't go on the trip. What kind of advice do you offer to yourself during tough times like that, during those hurdle moments?
1: I would say it's two connected things for me. I think, number one, it's go easy on yourself. Um, you can take things really hard and personally and uh, in a big way when, when it's something that you've created. And that doesn't, I think going easy on yourself does not mean lessening your standards. And that's an important thing to, to remember for me. Um, and the second thing is to, to reach out for help, to reach out to, to experts or others on your team to, to, to do the work with you um, that you can't take it all on alone. So I think those are, those are the two big lessons that I carry with me every
2: day. I think for me, it just comes back to, you've got to focus on what you can control. We've spoken about the control circle. There's another one that I've got that I think helps me, and you can do this on a quadrant, I do it sort of on circles, but again, inside looking out, when I think about different things, it's important and not urgent in the first. There is then you know, important and urgent second circle. There is urgent but not important on the third, and there is not important, not urgent on the fourth. And I think when you when push comes to shove on so many things you do, I think people, and whether that's sort of like email, like other like little bits and bobs, so many people put themselves in these sort of like outer two circles. And for me, there's just this zone of fulfillment that is the bullseye around the more I focus my time within those sort of first one or two circles. And there's always going to be things that come up that are important and urgent and we we can't we can't predict that. The more time I spend there and how I prioritize there, the rest just you know, the rest just sort of falls away because doing something unimportant efficiently doesn't make it doesn't, important. Matter. doesn't I like, matter. I like I like that one as a four
1: quadrant because it's oh, like the four it's, quadrant. Yeah, because we're top, redesigning the method, the to, here. the top right. She's where he packages. This up. is my packaging. i come out he, he takes it. <laughs> His pencils and then I package the top right is like, yeah, you're urgent, important do now because you uniquely are the one that can make the biggest impact. And then, you know, the lower left is like delegated out or don't do it delete the email or or move it on to somebody else who can if you
0: guys want to add in like a like a standing meeting once a week to talk through this kind of stuff like i (laughs) I, i'm there you tell me what I once a week diagram i'm so there weekly 101 adam michael thank you so much for giving me your time today i really appreciate it thank you please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode we all face multiple hurdles in life i want to hear about yours reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast guys where do they find you where do they find heyday give you them can the find us down. at
1: that's heyday that's H E Y D A Y and if you're in New York you can find us on the Upper East Side Upper West Side Nomad Noho or Tribeca and in Los Angeles you can find us in Brentwood or on Beverly Boulevard near the Grove
0: any personal deets can I follow you on Instagram
1: you can follow me on Instagram I'm kind of boring social
0: no social media to the right he what? spies
1: on social but he's not really on it you're totally on yeah social. and all i d- all i do is take pictures of like what's your upstate. Instagram? Uh, it's heyday skincare <laughs> <laughs> My- michael plk if you really want to follow me but i'm not that interesting
0: <laughs> i am at emily abadi another hurdle conquered catch you guys next time